Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barry Little Podcast. On today's show, we have Boomer Nichols and his friend Scotty Moniz. Scotty Moniz, schoolmates? Yeah. Jesuit? No. Uh, oh, Chamberlain. Chamberlain, okay. So Boomer's in town for today's your birthday. Yes, sir. Actually, yeah. Happy birthday. That. Thank you very much. Thank you. I had I had uh, the local rapper uh, by the name of Mike Masson yesterday. It was his birthday. So this week is just going to be- It's like a theme. It's like a birthday <laughs> birthday, week. birthday theme. So when did you get in? Uh, I just flew in last night. Like I uh, got here 11 p.m., I think. Yeah. Scotty picked me up. I we- thought it was hilarious when you're like, I, I want to be there early. And I was trying to figure out the psychology behind that. <laughs> it was like, I want to get in before I'm completely- <laughs> Yeah, well- yeah, I knew today would be the first day I was in town, and if you don't catch me on the first day, it's yeah. going to be the worst yeah. day. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the first day, it's the worst day. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, uh, you grew up, I mean, you're from here originally, right? Yeah, this is home. So, uh, 100%. Where, whereabouts in Tampa? West Tampa, North uh, Tampa? Nor- I, I, I grew up in uh, up in North Tampa, well, like Carewood, okay. um, so like Fletcher and Fowler, Okay, I think, right? Fletcher and, yeah, Fletcher and Fowler seems right. We're about the same age. I'm 45. How old are you? Uh, just turned 48 today. Okay. So yeah. So right, right in the right in the pocket. But yeah, I grew up in the uh, Chamberlain High School area. That was my uh, Adams Junior High Chamberlain High School. Uh, I got sent off to Jesuit. Uh, sent for a while. off. Yeah. Uh, that's how. I, that's actually how I met your wife. Right. She was going to the academy at the time. I went to high school with your uh, wife's brother, Brian. Brian. Yeah. So, and, yeah, so uh, you and Brian are about the same age. Yeah, me and Brian went to high school together at Jesuit. I didn't know that he went to Jesuit, though. He yep. was another one that had to kind of change schools for stuff. Did you ever hear the story about the people that were fucking with the mailbox? Mm-mm. So I think the statute of limitations so. passed. So this is when they lived like way out in Plant City, and there was kids who were coming by like every other night with a baseball bat and just destroying. Mailbox the, baseball? Yeah, yeah. So he hit out in the bushes one night with a shotgun full of like buckshot or, or the salt with the salt pellets or whatever. Right. And literally just, just blew away this kid with salt pellets. And the police came in, like he hit out in the woods for like two days and all this. Brian stuff. Did? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. It was wow. brutal. And it was funny. Cause after the fact, he was like curious about what damage he must've done. And so they, he hung, he hung like a pair of pants and shirts from from the fence and was shooting it with the salt to see like kind of what what the person, you know, actually went through the clothing and got him. So anyway. Yeah, dude, wow. <clears throat> that was um, <clears throat> me and Brian and a dude named Joe Gonzalez. The three of us used to hang out back then. And uh, you're one of the few non-Italians who are part of the <laughs> local yeah. local scene. So, um, well, that was my thing when I grew up here, um, you know, when junior high and high school late 80s early 90s my whole thing was i wanted to be the first irish guy to be made in the tampa mob that was my whole goal how close did you get uh pretty close can't talk about it yeah i got i can't name names but i got really close put it to you this way when i when i actually left here to move uh i because i live in arizona now but when i on my way to arizona i moved here i went to albuquerque new mexico Uh and um but when i moved i had to actually ask certain people if it was okay it was okay Yeah. yeah Get permission. Like you guys cooled me leaving. I got to go. They're like, yeah, that's cool, man. Go ahead. Well, you have you have a lot of interesting connections to people around here. Obviously, I know you're friends with uh, Redner. Yep. And then uh, we've talked about Kreischer and some of the other people. Yep. How did – well, we'll we'll get to what you do and 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 why you're here. But um, your family, only child, brothers, sisters? Uh, I have a sibling, my brother, Casey, who we're half-brothers. Okay. So we have the same mom, different dads. You guys close? Uh, not especially, no. There's no, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I, so I, I'm an only child. So my experience of it is what I see in other people's families. And, uh, you know, I have two kids, so I'm always wondering, are they going to be close or are they going to be, you know, arch enemies? Yeah, it was, um, uh, I don't know, like living in Oldsmar in the late eighties, I guess, like my, my, my brother was in charge of raising me because uh-huh. we were latchkey kids and sure. mom was busy doing her own thing. Right. So he had to look out for me. So me and my brother raised ourselves. And so like. <laughs> Almost more of a parent figure. Yeah. I got pictures of myself when I was 10 years old with a Budweiser in my yeah. hand, fucking hanging out with my brother. <laughs> nice. You know what I mean? So like 
really, really weird kind of stuff. But, right. <clears throat> I mean, he's a half brother, but he definitely was like almost more of a father to me than than you he's know. still around. Yeah, he lives in West Virginia now. Okay, but yeah, he's around. So. Tell me about the comedy thing. Like, how was that? Uh, was that an early passion, or is that something that came later? No, yeah, it was. Uh, again, going back to my brother Casey, like he was nine years older than me, and I, so I'm like, you know, ten. He's like eighteen or whatever, and um, that's when blockbuster video was a thing, right? So, like, we were obsessed with stand up comedy. So we would watch like BH um, One Stand Up Spotlight, sure. Caroline's Comedy Hour, all these comedy things that used to be on cable back in the day. And then we would go to Blockbuster and rent anything we could get our hands on that was a stand up comedy special. It was basically all Howie Mandel, George Carlin, and Eddie Murphy all were like the three. Sam Kinison, yeah, yeah. like all that. And we would rent all that stuff. And um, like, yeah, so we were just obsessed. Do you remember and, when com- before it was Comedy Central, it was just this 24 hour loop of like the same. Yeah. I, I remember you'd like. And I would watch the same ones. Over, sure, over you'd, over. you'd hear. Yeah. yeah, you'd see the same bit yeah. ten times. But 100%. and one of the things that sticks out to me really huge is um, uh, Bobby. Remember Bobby Collins? Sure. Bobby Collins used to be the MC of every yeah, yeah. any stand up comedy special that was on TV. Bobby Collins was yeah, those, yeah. and he had that like gravelly voice. Like, hey, let's go, let's do comedy. Well, it's funny because that's a that's a lane you can get in with comedy is just being a host. You know, that's that, actually kind of my lane. Yeah, it's been for a long time. Well, I mean, it's not a bad gig. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of work for it. I mean, yeah. everybody needs it, and you can kind of work with a lot of different yeah. people. So tons of the shows I do on the West Coast are like, well, you know, we just need a guy that can actually host or MC, and a lot of comics don't want to do that right which is weird um i had a show a couple of weeks ago actually where i, I was at rick bronson's house of comedy out on the west coast and a bunch of comics are there and they're about to start this show and they're like well the guy that put the show together hasn't showed up yet so we're not sure what the lineup is so who wants to host and all the comics just looked at me like looked at the at the booker and they're like oh yeah we don't want to host no, no, no. well the thing with comedy so it's I, i'm glad you're talking about this because this kind of this kind of gets to what started this podcast for me so uh i became a huge fan of mark maron's oh, yeah. the what the fuck podcast of course listen to every one of them didn't care if it was someone a guest that i liked or didn't like because for a long time it was more him talking about what he was going through. And in the beginning, if you remember, he was, it was almost like a 12 step program for him. He was right. making amends to all these people who were wrong. He'd always end his podcast with, are we good? Like yeah. at some point he was high on Coke or, or drunk or whatever and did right. something shitty to somebody and was trying to make up for it with them. Yeah. He's gotten past that now, but um, with comedy, I don't know another profession or another gig or another, whatever you want to call it, where, people's psychology is so front and center to it. And, you know, it seems like you have to be pretty fucked up to be a good comic. Like, it's not a rule without exceptions, but... Sure. I mean, there's... Always an exception, for sure. But but would you agree with me? The vast majority are pretty just... 100%. Dealing with shit, and that's how they deal with it? 100%. I think, um, you know, I've been lucky enough, so... I've been doing comedy for 25 years, maybe a little more than that. Which is a lifetime. In, I mean. It's forever. Yeah. But I've always kind of done it. I've been blessed in a way that I've kind of been able to do it like as a side hustle. Sure. Um, I've always had jobs make it but good money. I didn't. Because I, I determined early on when I. Because I used to do comedy just. I did comedy for a living for about five years. That right. was my only job. But in the five years that I did comedy for a living, I was like, man, this fucking sucks. It's horrible. It's brutal. The whole struggling artist lifestyle and all that bullshit, it's horrible. Yeah. So um, I didn't want to do it, really. Like, I loved being on stage and performing. But, that but that's whole, one hour out of a 24-hour yeah, day. Yeah, where you're the other 23 hours a day are or, bullshit. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, I can't be a struggling artist, man. I've got a lifestyle. I, I need to be – I'm accustomed to living a certain way. So <clears> – <throat> Anyway, I've always been able to manage comedy as like a side hustle for me. Um, and it, I've been able to get enough out of it to because it almost seems like a well, healthier a fix, way to do but it's it. It's a fix. Like if you're comedy's an addiction, dude, it's like anybody that I get people all the time like, hey, man, you've been doing comedy a long time. I'm thinking about doing comedy. You got any advice? I'm like, yeah, don't fucking do it. Yeah. Don't do it, dude. It's horrible. Yeah. It's the worst. It is the worst. It's literally like being addicted to crack. It's horrible. There's nothing good about it at all. Right. But, but but when you have a good set and the crowd, you're, the crowd's feeling you, it's like hitting ever. a baseball Best clean, hitting a golf, you know, it's just. Best thing ever. 
you go and do a set and crush it, the, there's not a better feeling in the world. Right. But but then you're chasing that feeling for uh, forever. And yeah, then the next like, night, it, no one, you know. Yeah, it's the worst. So I, I always tell people, too, like the first time I ever did comedy, people are like, how did you get into comedy? And I got into comedy on accident, totally on accident. I was tending bar. Again, I told you how me and my Well, your personality is such that, I, I mean, you were predisposed. Well, I mean, yeah, I told you, me and my brother always were like, I was always a huge fan of the comedy game, and I always wanted to do that. Is he funny, too? <laughs> no. No. You got it all? <laughs> no, I mean, he's super funny if you know him right. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he's he's a total, like, introvert. He doesn't interact with people. Uh-huh. But um, if you get him out of his shell, he's hilarious. But um, so, anyway, I got into comedy at, at, like, I was tending bar. Where at? At a place in Phoenix called Famous Sam's. Okay. And and we had a stand-up <clears> – <throat> they hired a comedian to come in and do like a comedy night or something. So this comedian comes in. He's doing his thing. But he keeps coming over to the bar and putting his microphone in my face. Oh, I'm over here with the bartender. What's your name? And he I, – I don't even remember all the stuff we were saying. Right. But basically, he was trying to roast me and I was roasting You're him You're like back. one-upping him, yeah. Yeah. And, and the whole bar was like laughing and stuff to the point where all the regulars at the bar were like – you guys scripted that, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You didn't just meet that guy. I'm like, I swear to God, off the cuff, never met the guy in my life. So he comes up to me after the show. He's like, hey, man, you're really funny. Have you ever thought about doing stand-up? I'm like, yeah, I know I'm funny. <laughs> and of course I've thought about doing stand-up. It's all I've ever wanted to do. You know he, what convinced me is you coming over here yeah. fucking sticking a mic in my yeah. face. He, yeah. He's like, well, why don't you do comedy? I'm like, I don't know how to go about it. He's, yeah. like, he's like, what time do you get off? And I told him, he's like, all right, I'll be back when you get off your shift. Me and you are going to hang out and have beers tonight. So me and that dude, the comedian, <clears throat> he came back. We hung out and had beers all night. And I I told him, like, ideas I had for jokes and stuff. And he was like, dude, you need to get on stage and do these jokes or I'm going to steal them. Yeah. And I was like, well, if you steal my jokes, I'm going to have to kill you. Yeah. So he, anyway, that guy, his name was Sean McCarthy. He was getting ready. To, he had just gotten a big deal to go to L.A. and get his. What year are we talking? We're talking like 97, 98, okay. something like that. But he had just gotten a contract to go to L.A. and become. he was going to become the national spokesperson. For Wasn't that kind of the dead space of comedy? Like It was. A, a really, yeah. It was kind of like after Seinfeld and that. Yeah, and then it just <clears throat> took a shit for a long time until the independent so, comedy. Started. So he, he had just gotten a deal to become the Kia spokesperson. Big time. Like, yeah. Like national. And he's like, I'm going to L.A. I'm doing this thing. So we're going to go to – we're doing – he was doing like a going away show in Phoenix. Like, all my friends and family are coming. It's a big thing. So, anyway, I go to this show. He told me to just come out and hang out. I just thought I was there to support, right? Right. This place was packed. People coming. I mean, hanging from the rafters. It was so packed. And the whole place is like, <clears throat> you know, the MC of the show is like, you guys ready for Sean McCarthy? And everybody's like, ah! Like, it was insane. So, <clears throat> the MC comes out and he goes, before Sean comes out, I know you guys want to see your your headliner, Sean McCarthy. But first, um, we got a special surprise for you. We got this guy coming out. He's going to do a few minutes. Uh, he's never been on stage before. It's his first time doing comedy. In fact, he doesn't know we're about to bring him up. So, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Boomer Nichols. Oh, and they wow. put a spotlight on me. And I was like shooting them the bird. I'm like, fuck you, dude. I'm not coming <laughs> up. And they're like, oh, he's shy. Let's get him up here. Boomer. Boomer. And like, you know, he has the whole probably 400 people chanting my name right. and stuff. I'm like, oh, shit. So I go roll up on stage and the guy, Sean McCarthy. Is there a video of this per chance? I wish, dude. I wish I had it. It'd yeah. be so awesome. So the the guy, Sean McCarthy, the the headliner guy that got me into it. Yeah. As they bring me on stage, he's kind of hanging in the wings and he jumps out and grabs me and pulls me behind the, the curtain. He goes, all right, man, listen, do this, this and this. He Because I had told him a lot about my jokes. Right. So he told me the three jokes to do. I don't even remember what they were, but he was like, do this joke, that joke, this joke and get the fuck out. Yeah. And I was like, all right. So I turn around, I face the stage, and they're all just kind of staring at me. I'm like, uh, so I did whatever the first joke was he told me. It, I, I don't even remember. It was like, um, I just want you guys to, I'm trying to remember. It was like, I, I just want you guys to know, you know, I'm I'm not like a filthy comic. I'm a, I'm a family-friendly comic. I'm the kind of comic that Hillary Clinton would like, you know, yeah. that Hillary Clinton <laughs> would like to bend her over and give her the grudge fuck she really deserves or something yeah, like that. Yeah. It was something lame. It right. was something kind of lame. Sure. But anyway, I, I did the first joke, and when I got laughs at that first joke, it is literally like smack, dude. It yeah. was such a – I was like, oh. And then I did like three or four jokes and I got laughs and I, I didn't even want to leave. But I was like, all right, thanks. Thanks. I'm Boomer. I got to go. And so I walk off stage and there was a guy, Troy Conrad, him and his brother Steve used to run shows in Phoenix back in the day. I walk off stage. He goes, hey, man, you just did four and a half minutes. I'm like, I have no idea what that means. Yeah. He goes, well, normally like open micers, new people normally do four to five minutes. You did four and a half. How did it feel? I was like, it felt good. He goes, do you have enough material 
do you think you can do double that? Can you do like eight to 10? Yeah. I go, uh, yeah. I go, yeah, I can do 10. He goes, all right, man, come back next Saturday. I'll pay you 50 bucks to host the show. And I just became a paid regular for those guys. And it was just, it was Think of how many people like knew they were going to do that like weeks in advance and just fucking stressed out. And you kind of got dropped into it. I mean. No clue. Yeah. 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 Kind of a blessing and a curse in in, in a lot of ways. Well, and it kind of is reflective of my whole comedy quote unquote career. Yeah. Because I've always kind of. Um, just taking whatever I can get bookings wise. Right. I've never really gone hard in the paint pursuing bookings. I'm like, you know what? If I get a good I booking, love that I'll phrase, take hard it. in the paint. I'll, I'll, if I get a good booking, I'll take it. Yeah. <clears throat> if I get offered a booking I don't like, I'll tell them to suck it. Yeah. But I've, I've like I said, I did go through a, a few years where I was a comedian by that was my trade. Right. But even then, when I did it, I had my own booking agency and I booked my own shows. So, like, I had complete control over the bookings I would take and not take. Right. So. And this is all after you left Tampa. So, you didn't start yeah. before you left. Wait, how old were you when you went out oh, there? God, I left I left Tampa in 96 or 97. For some I reason, I thought it was more recent than that. <sighs> no, I've always come back. Like, I normally I'll come back to Tampa three, four, five times a year. I'm, right. I'm always in and out of Tampa. Right. Um, <clears throat> the last three years or so. This is my first time back in about three years. So uh, I, I went through a little hiatus recently where I haven't been back as much. But normally, and and now moving forward, I'm I'm back in Tampa every couple months. I are you still in Phoenix or are you in? Yeah, I'm in uh, Phoenix slash Scottsdale slash Cape Creek. Yeah. So you talk about doing shows over on that coast. Is there a, is there a circuit <laughs> there or do you go out to California or yeah. like how does that work? Yeah, there's a like Southwest kind of circuit. I, I, in, I, I fucking i hate california dude i don't go i won't go uh so i i avoid california at all costs and that's honestly i mean you know i can make a lot of excuses why i've never been like quote unquote a bigger name in comedy sure i've had several uh, arcs in my career where i had some serious momentum where i could have done shit right but uh at the end of the day if you really want to make it in comedy you have to go to la or chicago or new york and I fucking hate all three of those cities. Well, yeah. I hate Cali, dude. Would, I hate it. Would you agree, too, that with comedy, <laughs> it's not necessarily merit-based who makes it not and who doesn't all. make not it? I mean, all. some of the funniest guys out yeah. there. Who's the guy? Uh, John a blank right now. Uh, New York comic, real throaty. Uh, he's had shows. He did, like, a show that was, like, a porn Nick DiPaolo? No, no, no. You know who this guy is. He's like every, sure. every comedian's favorite co- comic. I'm drawing a New fucking York. Um, Real. Oh, Jim not, Norton? No, it'll come to me. This, this Jim Norton's like famous in the porn scene. Well, yeah, but no, this. Oh, it's going to fucking kill me. This room has magical qualities that suck any ability for me to have any kind of recollection of anything. But um, in any event, it'll come to me eventually. But uh. So you're saying that this is a side hustle. What's your what's your what's your main hustle? Uh, for the last like seven years, I've been working for Yelp. Really? Yeah. yeah. Are they like based out there? Um, well, yeah. So they're based out of San Fran, but they have a, a, a they have an office in Scottsdale, Arizona, also. Okay. So I went to work for them. Then now it's more because of COVID and everything. It's become more of a remote situation, right? So most of the company is working remotely now. So. Um, I can move back here and still work for Yelp if I want to. Now, how did how did you know Redner? Uh, well, Redner and I have been just grew up since junior high. Yeah, we, we've been we live same, in the same, same neighborhood. Age, buddies, give or yeah, take. He, yeah, he's about a year older than me. He just I think he's forty nine. I'm forty eight. He was in here not too long ago, yeah. and I was I just hung out with him last night. Uh, he, I. It's funny because, you know, you grow up in Tampa and that name means one thing. Of course. Yeah. And so you kind of paint him with a cer- certain brush. Yeah. But I had the opportunity. Uh, he refuses to be painted, though. Well, God, God, God damn it. Yeah. God bless and God damn. I mean, the senior came in and I, it was like a it was like a crash course in business, but not business like it was more like social yeah. So, you know, he, he just the stuff that he said was so innate and so second nature to him. And so yeah. uh, he wasn't taught it. He just knew it or learned it on the street. Yeah, and I mean, see, he had high highs and low lows. Yeah. Seniors are very uh, interesting character. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was telling me he's like, you know, the, the best way to get a, a guy off the stage when he won't get down is you have all the girls step down and the crowd will make him step down. And yeah. it was just like. 
you know, that's brilliant. And he's like, I never, he said, I learned very early on, you can never have a, a male guy beat manage a strip club, you know, nope. and it's, you know, it's, it's common sense, but he just has common sense, you know, turned up to 11. So senior, um, I mean, when Joey and I were, like said, me and Joey have been, I mean, we met in junior high. Sure. We didn't become best buds until uh, at, right around the end of high school. He and I moved in together. We had an apartment together. Right. So, like, senior year high school and, like, through the college years, Joey and I were roommates. Right. We lived in the Way Apartments right behind University Square Mall back yeah. there, over by the campus. Sure, yeah. Dude, I, just those couple of years me and Joey living together, I should probably write a book. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was insane. But I can um, only imagine. But anyway, he and I hung out last night. I hung out with him and his wife. And, you know, he's got four beautiful daughters now and everything. Well, so but, so that was senior, junior. Sorry to cut you off. No, junior okay. is is equally as amazing. Like, right. like Well, that was my point was when he and I were growing up and stuff, everybody thinks or assumes because Joey and I are tight and because I know they think, like, I have some – insight into senior yeah but even joey doesn't have any insight into senior that's my that was my point right senior is such a unique crazy not bad but crazy cool individual but he's very like um he keeps it close to the vest and even his own son never really knew exactly what the hell was going on in his head you know what i mean so the way so, i got him on was meta do you know mike Meta? yeah i know mike so really. i handled mike's divorce against his daughter and it luckily Teresa. it wasn't yeah it wasn't acrimonious i mean they they got it done pretty civilly but you know we were talking about all this stuff and i was like do you think you can get senior on and he said i'll, I'll make a call and see what i can do and so he showed up with all, with like three guys with him like three younger guys and they were all in there and i was like i was like it's a pretty small room back there i don't mind like how many you bring back but i promise i'm not gonna like fuck with them or anything and they're like we're not here to protect him he He's his own thing. Like right. they, he just has these people hang out with them. But right. I thought they were like not bodyguards, but like handlers or something. He's like, he doesn't need a handler. He's he, he's like, you need a handler yeah, if you need anything. Yeah, yeah. But then we're here to look out for you. Well, right. right yeah. Right. We're making sure. Yeah. And uh, and he ended up talking to me for like two and a half hours. Like I had to break it in two different parts. But then. So anyways, Junior comes out and again, just. It's not it's not an intelligence that you're taught. It's just this weird yeah. and and he's he's a dot they're, they're, he's not the biological son, is he? No. Okay. Right. So <clears throat> which is interesting Which he to, didn't know till much later. But but which is interesting to me because so it's not genetic. Right. It's either grooming or it's happenstance or it's you well, know And I, like I said, no offense to senior, but the way Joe the way Junior was raised, it's not like senior was all up in his life every day either sure. so it was kind of a yeah it was more of an osmosis right you know what i mean it wasn't it wasn't like beaten into joey from uh, early age or well, whatever maybe he because, was smart enough to see what was happening without it actually being well, told and that's, to him. Well, that's what i'm saying it's kind of it was more of an osmosis thing where i think joey just hung back and watched right and saw it right but um and again nothing against senior senior's amazing but it wasn't like he was so hands-on as a father that he instilled all that right joey. yeah <laughs> joey was just always naturally curious and smart enough to to kick back and watch right so um but that's the funny thing too to me is i always was like granted if you're just raised into the booby business oh that's what you're gonna do for a living but but junior's always been like nope i'm not going into that business that's not my thing there was a million ways that could have gone wrong and like one it could have gone right and it went right you right. know yeah but for joey i was always like of course you're gonna go into the family business yeah why wouldn't you and he's yeah. like nope gonna do my own thing i was like you're a fucking idiot yeah but of course obviously it worked out really well sure but that's the joke i always make too is like you know the we've always had the redners to thank for the booby business now we've got the redners to thank for boobies and beer right so if there well, was so that's a good segue so uh, you know if you hang out in this area you're going to see that there's all these craft breweries that are popping up everywhere right. there's magnanimous there's hidden springs there's I've heard woven great water about magnanimous, yeah yeah it's you should pop they love wrestling they love the wrestling and all the TVs they got wrestling going and cool stuff i was just there last night but um in any event all these guys came through Joey. Right. Every one of them that come on, they all started there. And so he has become almost like craft brew you, uh, you know, yeah. in, in the area and taught everybody. Now that it's, so he's responsible in a lot of ways for kind of, 
this whole thing that's popping up. And I mean, there's tons I have somewhere. I don't know. I, where think, I, put I it, think he uh, credits, I think Florida Avenue brewery. Yeah. That's he, he said Florida Avenue was here before him and a couple others, but I mean, you know, he, he was really shocked at the time. And I think it was around 2006, 2007 when he got started. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah. But he was shocked. He was like, why are there not more places doing this correctly? And, um, you know, he was able to go to senior and, and pitch him on a business idea, but, and get a loan and op- open cigar city. But, um, yeah, he, he was like, he's like, I'm not any different than anybody. I, he goes, I just happen to have, you know, nobody else was doing it. So right. I figured I would do it, but yeah, he, um, he did pave the way, obviously. I mean, it's always living way the hell out in Arizona. Like I do, it's always been really proud, a proud thing for me to look, to go study all the beer geek publications and stuff. And there's like. 4,500 breweries and he's in the top 40 Yeah, he's winning these gold medals for high lie, like in Germany and stuff, you know? So that's been really, really cool. But yeah, it, it, it always cracked me up because he was like, he's like, I'm not going into the family business. I'm not going to be, you know, Joe make Jr. his own I'm way. I'm not going to be Joe Jr. The Mons Venus guy. Sure. That's not what I want to do. Sure. I was like, what could you do that's better than being, the Florida version of Larry Flint, because that's basically yeah. what Joe Senior is. Right, right, right. People always ask me, like, when I'm, they're trying, I'm trying to explain who Joe Senior is. I'm like, he's basically like Larry Flint or Hugh Hefner on a Florida lever. Right. And that's, I was like, Joey, why wouldn't you want to do that? That's yeah. amazing. And yeah. he's like, because I want to do my own thing. And then, of course, he just all of a sudden appears one day as this, like, brewery magnet. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, if you don't do boobs. Beer's a good way to go. It's a, it's a good, it's a good, <laughs> it's a good also good. ran, yeah. So now we have the Redners to thank for boobs and beer. How did how did you end up in Arizona? What was what uh, was? Well, I, it, why did you choose Arizona? I I didn't choose uh, to make it. Uh, I don't want to make it too long of a story, but basically, and I'm um, not trying to you know. No, it's you, all good. You, you answer how you want to. On no, that. so yeah. my dad, my biological okay. father, was basically never around right my whole life, and then all of a sudden when I graduated high school, he's like. He, he reappeared and right. he was like, Hey, I'm out here in Albuquerque and I have this business and it's going really well and you should come out here and I'll like teach you the business and this can be yours someday. Oh, wow. Blah, blah, blah. He made a whole bunch of promises right. of how great it was going to be. And at that point in my life, that's what I was living with Redner and stuff. And uh-huh. I mean, dude, when I tell you we were partying hard, like. No, I can imagine. <laughs> dude, I, I should literally write a book just about my life from like freshman year to like uh 20 years old right there's a five or six year period there where like it's amazing that i survived yeah it was amazing but anyway um my dad all of a sudden wants to reappear in my life and i literally woke up one morning and was like if i don't get the hell out of tampa i'm gonna die or be in prison right soon like real soon did you know kreischer during that time period or did that come later well yeah i I knew bert going back to like sixth grade Okay, okay but but he and i weren't like hang out every day kind of buddies. That's when Bird at that point was at FSU and living the college life. And I was here in Tampa living. Sure. I was hanging out with the Tampa mob and like just yeah. doing stupid shit. So I literally woke up one morning and was like, you know what? If I stay in Tampa, I'm going to be dead or in prison if I stay. Right. I need to get the fuck out of town. And so I called my dad and I was like, hey, man, you still down for me to come to Albuquerque? He's like, yeah. So I literally, he sent me a plane ticket and three days later I was gone. I had all my friends over to my house. Had a big party. One last. Told hurrah. him just. To, I, I said I got all of my shit that I'm taking in these two just suitcases. Make sure I'm on that plane. Well, yeah. but I just told everybody help yourself to everything else in my house. Yeah, if it's not in those two suitcases. You guys can have it. Had all my friends over. Let them take all my shit. Moved. I got to Albuquerque. I I, I lived in Albuquerque for nine months, and it was the longest twenty years of my fucking life. Yeah, Albuquerque sucks. I mean, is it what? I, oh, it's what, fucking horrible. But then his company owned a. His company, he was like, oh, yeah, we're opening a store. Our company is going to open a store in Phoenix. So I want you to go out to Phoenix and help open that store. Okay. So he moved me out to Phoenix, and that didn't go well either. So I was like, fuck this place. I hated Arizona. I still do, honestly. And I was like, I'm moving the fuck out of here. I'm going back to Tampa. And so I was literally in the process of moving back to Tampa. Met a chick, thought she was kind of cool. She was a virgin. I wanted to be the first to hit it. So yeah. I was like, ah, I'm going to huh. I'm gonna hang out for a while, see how this goes. Yeah. And I uh, ended up. You know, love at first sight, fell in love with that girl, married her, had two kids with her. Now we're divorced. And uh, I'm stuck in Arizona because yeah. my kids are out there. But How old are they? Uh, my kids are 16 and 13. 16 and 13. So. Boys, girls. Um, oldest is a boy, Brody, 16. Bailey's 13. So um, I've been trying to get back to Tampa, though, forever, and I will get back here. Now that they're, you know, close to of age, 
How did that change your life? Having kids? How did that change your comedy? How did that change your priority? Every everything. So yeah. Um, at the time before I had kids, like I said, I, I was actually at a point in my life where I just did comedy for a living full yeah. time. And, um, as she and I, you know, bought a house, moved in together and blah, blah, blah. She was like, I don't want you on the road every weekend. I want you home. I want you to get a real job. You know, it's, it's, it's she virtually kept, impossible to be married and be a comic. It's, it is impossible. And she was always like, I want you to get a real job. I'm like, fuck you. Every time she would say real job, I was like, yeah. fuck you. Yeah. I was so mad. I was yeah. like, why? This is my passion. This is sure. what I do. I'm making a living at it. But she, she, she and I were together 20 years and she never in 20 years ever supported uh, me doing comedy. Like right. I had so many opportunities to like really forward my comedy career. Sure. And every time I got an opportunity, like, Hey honey, this comic wants me to go on the road with him for the next six months. Right. And it'll pay stupid money and I'll be his opener. And she's like, you're not fucking going on the road for six months. What are you crazy? I'm like, Oh, yeah. Sorry, honey. You know? Yeah. Or, hey, Brian Callen just offered me a movie role to go do this movie with him and da, da, da. And she's like, you're not fucking going to L.A. for two months. Like, I, we got shit we got to do here. I'm like, yeah. okay, sorry. Like, yeah. every every career opportunity I got along the way to actually get some career momentum. I think Jim Gaffigan seems to be the only person who's ever successfully stayed married. and been There's very few. Yeah. There's very few. I <laughs> and mean, that's because his wife is like, it writes half his material and travels with yeah. him. And all, like, she's or, in on that. Well, or like Tom Segura is another one that, you know, his wife is a comedian. Yeah. So she relates. Right? Yeah. Christina Pazitsky, like they've always done. She she used to open for him on the road. Right. So, um, yeah, there's some out there that definitely get it, but, but yeah, by, by and large, by and large, yeah, my comedy career, like my ex-wife that every fucking turn, she was like, nope, nope, nope. But like, she's probably oh. giving you a lot of material to talk about. On oh, stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Probably half my act is yeah. about her now. So, so are you, do you still write or do you kind of, I mean, you know, I, my knowledge of this is, is as a fan, not as a practitioner, sure. but you know, I know there's some people that literally like sit down and commit themselves to hours in front of a computer. Yeah. Then there's other people who just have their cell phone on the stage and kind of yeah. work through whatever. And I've, um, I've actually watched Chappelle, I think, come up. so good. Well, yeah. he's good, but I've it depends on what part of his tour you catch him in. If it's in the beginning when he doesn't have anything. Right. He's so, literally just talking to, yeah. you know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm relatively good friends with Hannibal Burris. Okay. So um, the... The last time I saw Chappelle was probably, I think, four or five years ago when he was just getting back out yeah. there. And so Hannibal invited me to go see them and because Hannibal was opening for him at a, a place called uh, Comerica Theater in Phoenix. It's about a 5,000-seat venue. And, you know, you go in there and they take all your cell phones and they make you lock them up, and yeah. whatever. But I literally was in the front row, like elbows on the stage like this, like looking up at Hannibal while he's performing very front row. Wow. And um, it was super good because – Honestly, and no disrespect to Chappelle, but I think Hannibal was actually the highlight that night. Yeah, yeah. Hannibal, fuck, he's so good. He is good. He's super underrated. He's really, good. really clever, great writer. And so anyway, Hannibal crushed it. But then Dave came out and Dave actually crushed it too. I mean, I. Well, Dave's like Prince or Richard Pryor. Or but it wasn't that early stage that you're referring to of his special where he was just crafting it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he he did that whole bit. About the fishbowl. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Whereas I'm so good at this shit. I just have punchlines. I put them in a fishbowl. Right. I, just, I pull, pull out, out the punchline. And then, you know, I, I know what the punchline is going to be, but I don't know what the joke's going to be or whatever. Yeah. You know? So he did that whole bit. And um, to this day, in my opinion, probably the most clever written, best, yeah. the best bit I've ever seen. Yeah. Because he would do the whole, he did his whole hour. Sure. And then did a callback to the fishbowl bit right at the end. Right. And then I kicked her in the pussy. Yeah, yeah. And he drops the mic and walks off. Yeah. I mean, like, that bit, the fishbowl bit, to me is still the All best time. bit I've ever seen. Yeah. So the reason I tell you that is getting back to your original question about writing. Um, if I was a better writer and if I had more time to dedicate to writing, I think I would my comedy career, the arc would be way bigger. Um, but I've always been super lazy when it comes to writing because I've always had an excuse like, well, I got a wife and I got kids and I got a day job and I got this. So comedy's always been a side hustle to me. So I've never really had the time to really dedicate to just sit down and write and work on bits and craft it. And I, and I, I wish I had more um, discipline in that regard because literally if I have anything that I think is like a compliment, uh, to me is a comedy career. There's plenty of comics that I've done hundreds of shows with over the years. Uh, and the one thing they always tell me is they're like, dude, we've done a hundred shows with you. We've never seen you do the same set twice. Yeah. 
And I like that about me that you can see me a hundred times. You might see some of the same jokes, but you'll never see the same set. But that's not because I'm such a great artist. It's just because I don't I walk on a stage not having any fucking idea what I'm going to do. Well, and I also get the sense that literally you could just record any 10 minutes of your day and it would probably do okay on the stand. You know, not that you're always on, but I just feel like you probably operate at a frequency that is. I just literally if I have a gig, I'm like, I know I'm going to open with this joke. Yeah, I know I'm going to close with that joke. Right. Between opening and closing. We'll see what fucking happens. Right. I don't know. So, uh, right now, or now I know you're in town for the long weekend, is it? Or, yeah, it's my birthday weekend, so I'm here till um Monday. Are you doing anything while you're here? I'm doing a show tonight, are you? Um, at JT's Roadhouse, so okay, uh, unique venue for a comedy show. So, normally when I come to town, I'll always do side splitters, right? Uh, me and Brian Thompson and side splitters go way back. Um, you know, side splitters literally was the first time I ever saw a live comedy show was at side splitters when I was like 18 or something. And Bobby Jewell was the host. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Bobby Jewell was like, to me, Bobby Jewell and Bobby Collins were synonymous with stand-up comedy hosts. Right. You know what I mean, like they come out, they do all the hacky jokes you don't really want to see. Yeah. But they do them so well that you're like, fuck it, you know, you know, whatever. Um, and actually at one point I almost bought side splitters. Really? Yeah. That's a whole nother story. But side splitters has always been my comedy home. So normally I'll come out here and do side splitters, yeah. but just because of COVID and all the crazy shit, sure. and it, me and Brian were having a hard time putting a date together. And I was like, look, man, it's my birthday weekend. He's like, look, man, it's fucking booked. Yeah. So I was going to go do a show across the street at green parrot. Yeah. Green parrot, the bar um, over in Carrollwood. Right. And um, that's what, that was the plan. Yeah. And then literally a couple of weeks ago, the owner of Green Parrot, my buddy Tommy Hales, is like, um, so we took the stage and all the stuff out of Green Parrot and we put in pool tables and bar games. So we're not really doing live entertainment there anymore. So um, your comedy show, if you want to do it, I have another venue called JT's Roadhouse that we have like a patio bar and a big place. And, you know, it's like 100 people and you can do a thing. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Fine. I yeah. just, I was like, yeah, whatever. Like it's two weeks away. Like, yeah, what, what else am I going to do? Well, and then after we schedule it, everybody's hitting me up. They're like, dude, have you seen JT's Roadhouse? Have you ever been there before? I'm like, this will be the best set of your life. You get probably, well, what can you lose? I mean, yeah. you, you got nothing to lose. You're probably. Gonna- but everybody's like, dude, why are you doing a show at JT's Roadhouse? It's like a really like heavy duty biker bar, like off of Florida. You got like chain link fence in front of the stage. Yeah. That, and well, that's what I told somebody. I was like, I, I feel like I'm Jeff Healy in Roadhouse. Yeah. What did I do? Yeah. What did yeah. I say? But um, I don't know. That Whatever. would be, if you could pick your play out music, that would be sweet. If play that coming out to yeah. it, just do Roadhouse jokes the entire time. Yeah. Angel eyes yeah. My but yeah, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. That's tonight. Um, shit. I don't know, dude. Go um, figure it out. Yeah. I'm not, I'm sure that no matter how bad it goes, it won't be the worst show I've ever done because I've done some really. Do you lean into it when they're not going well? Like 100%. It, yeah. Just, yeah, 100%. you know, if, if, if I'm going to make this uncomfortable for everybody. I got to be honest with you. Um, some of my most fun shows have been what most comics would probably deem horrible shows. Yeah. Uh, but those are the fun ones. I mean. How are you with crowd work? I would imagine pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's, here's the thing to me, right? Like, again, doing comedy for 25 years or whatever plus. Um, it always amazes me when people are somewhat new to the business and they're like, Oh, I finally did my show. At, I, I finally got to perform at Tempe improv for the first time. And man, did I fucking kill it? And I'm like, dude, that's not impressive. Like it's when there's 300 people that bought tickets to see comedy and they're sitting there watching you wanting to laugh. Yeah. Anybody can kill it. Like sure. it's easy to kill it at Tempe improv. Yeah. You want to fucking impress me. Go do an open mic at fucking Mugs Up on a Thursday yeah. when 85%, 90% of the audience had no idea there was even a comedy, comedy show. show there, yeah. They're not there to see comedy. They don't give a fuck about comedy. They're not listening to comedy. They're talking to the bartender and drinking IPAs and shots. Yeah. Like, if you can take that place over, if you can get on stage on an open mic on a Thursday when nobody's listening and command that whole room to listen to you and take them over and make them laugh. Well, those are the shows that make you good. Sure. Like that's that's the shows that are hard and that make you good. Like getting up on a Tempe Improv night on a Saturday, you know what I mean? When Brian Callen has me go open for him for the weekend or Burt Kreischer or one of these guys, that's easy. Yeah. You go out and do 10, 15 minutes and it really I, – I actually get pretty mad because you, a lot of times when I do shows like that, you'll get people that come up to you after the show and they're like, dude, you were, you were – like this happens all the time. And I'm not saying it to – toot my own horn, but I'm saying in the industry. Yeah. 
if you're like a middle act and you're you're doing that middle 15, 20 minutes, you'll get people coming up to you after the show all the time going, dude, you were way funnier than Britt Kreischer. Yeah. You were way funnier than Tom Segura. You were way funnier than whoever the headliner is, right? Yeah. We liked you way better. And I'll, I'll, I'll always look them right in the eye and go, fuck you, dude. That's not fair. Yeah. It's really easy to get up there and be funny for 20 minutes. Yeah. It's a whole different thing to get up there for an hour when you motherfuckers are talking and trying to pay your checks and all that right. bullshit. Like, don't, that's not fair. Don't. Well, and it's even gotten, you know, it used to be, uh, who was the guy that killed himself? He was in the mask with uh, Jim Carrey. Um, Mitch Hedberg? Oh, no. Um, um, oh, yeah. Who was the guy that was in the mask with Jim Carrey? This fucking happens all the time in here. Um, this Dina's favorite comic. She can like do his whole stand up. Kevin. No, not Kevin. Kevin, no, Kevin Pollock. No, Kevin Pollock's still alive. Oh, well, anyway, but he. It'll come to me. Also. Yeah, but like but back in that day, you could get 10 years out of one hour. Right. But now it's like. You, you know, got to have a new hour every year. I don't know who that started with. I felt like Louis C.K. was the one who started I doing it. I think Louis was the yeah. one who started it. Damn, Louis. Talk I about always another. give Louis credit because, honestly, Louis had a new hour every year. Once a year. Talk about psychology on your sleeve. And, I mean, he was just, for me, was it. And then yeah. all that shit happened. It was just like. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's. It's it, super unfair what happened to him, I think. Um, you can't be a perv in this day and age. I get that. I'm not saying that it's okay to be a fucking weirdo or yeah. a perv. But I, I still have to defend Louis a little bit because I get the whole thing with the Me Too movement. I'm glad that dudes like Harvey Weinstein and whatever are being called out. But I also think that Louis, um, at least based on what I know and I've, I've heard and, yeah. I, I've, you know, I've heard some stuff from pretty reputable sources. Reputable sources. I'm only one or two party, one or two degrees removed from a lot of it. Right. I mean – he at least was like, Hey, I'm going to do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, there's a, so there's a spectrum or there's yeah. a, you know, there's, there's Harvey Weinstein on one sure. end and then there's a Z Zanzari on the other end right. who had like a bad date and right. all of a sudden had to like right. suspend his career for five years. And yeah. so I had this conversation all the time about what if Bowie or Mick Jagger today were, Dude. you know, yeah. coming up with TikTok and Facebook and cell phones and yeah, I was sitting here. As we're talking about it, I'm looking at your wall and I'm looking at like Lemmy and, and yeah. Ozzy and I'm like, Jesus Christ, can you imagine? They would have been yeah. canceled immediately. Yeah. So talking about social justice and all that other stuff, I have to thank you for for protecting me in that whole ACAB debate not oh, too Jesus. long ago. Yeah. So I, I think politically we, we kind of line up pretty well. And, yeah. uh, you know, I always generally tend to think of myself as progressive and liberal, but there was a there was a post about. Kamala Harris and it said, no matter what, at the end of the day, she's still a cop. And and I was like, are we is that is that that's it, the post you and I got super. Yeah. And I was just like, is this merely the fact that someone was a not even a cop was a because, you know, I was a prosecutor. You know, is that is that is that alone just enough for you to be a right. piece of shit? And man, I, I felt like Tucker Carlson by the end of that debate because, you know, they're like, you're yeah. just a. You know, you're clutching just, your pearls. I remember clutching that. your pearls you're just and standing your on pearls, your couch. Josh, and, yeah. yeah. And well, and I learned all this. I never knew what a cab meant. Right. And then I was I, they were talking to me. I was like, you can literally look this up and see that you're wrong on this. And they're like, you're 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 they're making us labor. No, yeah. they're, you're making us labor. I was like, what does that mean? Yeah. And so it was this whole other thing. And I, and it's funny. So, I, you know, that that really kind of. I try really hard not to engage with such situations like that. That was that day that you was, failed. Yeah. <laughs> I failed big on that one because honestly, that was that was the comment because you and I don't know each other really well. Right. But we've engaged enough. Yeah. That I know I, I had a good idea of like who you are and what you stand for. Right. And um, of course, your wife, Dina, and I go back to like when I was in eighth grade or sure. something. So um, anyway, the. the you know how you like get tagged in a post, so you start kind of paying attention to it or whatever. Yeah. I don't know how I got engaged and started following that post, but as soon as I saw somebody, that was the comment when somebody said you were clutching your pearls. Yeah. Oh, he's just clutching his pearls, and I was like, "You motherfuckers are yeah. retarded." Yeah. This is the last guy to quote unquote clutch his pearls, like. And then so then I that's when I got engaged. Me, me and you and that crew had a. It was like chum in the water. That was like though, two man. or three days of like brutal. I finally just had to like unfollow and step out because it was like this shit's getting stupid but yeah no that was but that was the comment when somebody said joshua Sher sheridan was clutching his pearls i was like oh you people are so stupid and, so uh, but yeah i think you and i aligned pretty 
pretty in step. We're pretty Joey in step too. I've been, I've yeah. been, Joe, you know, Joe, I'm always like following, liking his comments. You know, Greg Baker who uh, owned the refinery. I, and, I know who yeah. he is. We're not buddies or anything, but I know who he is. So this, that's the good thing with this podcast. It's introduced me to so many cool right. people that I would have never had the opportunity to uh, get to know otherwise. So, I'm kind of excited to see where the rest of your trip goes. Will you check in with me periodically and let me know you're alive? Yeah, 100% tonight is going to, like I said, tonight. If you need legal counsel, I'm here for you. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on call 24-7 for you. Yeah, I'm definitely going to – well, not definitely, but I may, may need I may need you. Or at least just for advice, you but, know. Yeah, tonight's going to be really interesting, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Is it uh, just you, or is there anybody else going to be playing with you tonight? Uh, tonight is me and a guy named Ricky Hicken okay. and Steve Miller, which okay. I think, to me, uh, over the years that I've done comedy, I think Steve Miller is – I think he's the best Tampa-based comedian ever. Like, he's super good. Um, he's one of those guys, like you kind of alluded to before – doesn't matter if you're the funniest guy. Right. Sometimes nobody ever hears of you. And then there's some guys that aren't really that funny that are like national fucking treasures, right? Yeah. Like like Gabriel Iglesias is far from being the funniest fucking dude I've ever seen. But he's probably one of the highest paid comedians ever. Oh, for sure. Who's the one that Rogan blasted for stealing people's stuff? Uh oh Mencina. Carlos Mencia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, guys like that. Carlos Mencia was a total um weird phenomenon that yeah he was yeah. he was stealing jokes dane cook yeah was a joke thief louis called him out for it for sure um well robin williams was like kind of one of the oh, original the joke notorious. thieves. yeah yeah i always um that's a very i'm sorry we're getting on a tangent here but I, that's a very unique um and weird story because um robin williams i think was a the perfect example because robin williams always wanted to be a stand-up comic. That was his passion. That's what he loved the most. That's what he wanted to do. But he kind of got banned yeah. from all the stand-up comic, from all the clubs in LA. They were like, fuck you. Because they used to catch him sitting in the back of the room with like a hat down over his eyes, taking, yeah. taking notes yeah. during people's sets. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't want to name names because the guy gets pissed at me when I name his name publicly. But I I know a comic that to this day is pretty well known. The used to tour was with, um, he used to tour with uh, Sam Kinison. Uh-huh. So um, there was a, a situation that happened at the comedy store or no, at the Laugh Factory in L.A. I think it was Laugh Factory. And um, Robin was there and so was Sam. And Sam literally shoved Robin into a corner and started bitch slapping. Yeah. It was like, you little joke thief, motherfucker. And the other comic was standing there. He was like, I've seen you do this guy's jokes on stage. Like, blah, blah, blah. And he made Robin Williams pull out his checkbook and stroke him a, stroke him a check for 10 grand. Check, yeah. Stroked him a check for 10 grand on yeah. the spot. And the guy that I'm talking about still has a, a, oh, a laminated it? copy of the of the check in his that he keeps in his wallet just oh, wow. for the hell of it. And um, but yeah, so Robin basically was banned by comedians from comedy. Yeah. So then he went into movies and obviously killed it, did great. Right. But um, I think part of what always had Robin Williams, I'm not saying it's why he killed himself, but Part of his depression was that all he really wanted to do was be a comic and get yeah. on stage, but he really couldn't do it the way he wanted to because he was kind of a pariah in the business. Yeah. But anybody that I know that was in comedy in the 70s, 80s, 90s are all like, this motherfucker was a thief and he would do this and he would do that. Like, I've heard a bunch of stories. So I I know we're nearing the end of our hour and I actually have to. Yeah, I'm sure you got to get back to your but, real job. Well, no, I have to go to the funeral. Um, but just to end it on it, I'll see if I, you can pull, make that funny. You can pull out <laughs> it. But uh, Eddie Murphy's been talking about coming out again. Do you think there's any way, shape or form that that's going to go well? I don't. Well, I've been praying for it for like five years now because uh, one of to me, one of the best moments in comedy that I that I ever remember where like comedy was the best to me was when I I had to I was underage, so I had to sneak in the back door of Mission Bell movie theaters to Hilarious go see, or to raw? go see Raw when yeah. Raw came out in the theaters. Was it the and blue leather suit or the red leather suit? The purple suit? and black. Yeah. The purple <laughs> yeah. and black. Yeah, when he looked like Prince, it was yeah. purple and black with Paisleys and shit on it. Eddie yeah. Murphy Raw. Yeah. yeah, Delirious was the red one. But no, so when Raw came out, like I literally had to sneak in the back door of the theater to go see it because they were actually carding very hard back then. And I was only like 16, but you had to be 18 to get in. But anyway, um, I still think Delirious was amazing. Raw was maybe one of the best specials. I'm envisioning you in a red leather suit right now. I can't, I can't get <sighs> I it out of my I head. I get that a lot. 
I get you that a lot. You would crush. Imagine walking out on stage in the yeah, delirious suit. That would fucking kill big it. Big ass bulge in my front of my. That would be the not best. from my junk, but from my belly. Oh, I. Have, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the boobies. Yeah, you and I are um, cut from the same cloth. Yeah. So, but anyway, uh, um, no, I. Eddie Murphy's been talking about there was supposedly he was going to have a uh, 25 anniversary, 25 year anniversary of raw. He was going to come back and do stand up, and that never materialized. And then of course coming to America, the the sequel just came out. Did you watch it? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. I started to watch it. I got like 10 minutes in and got sidetracked. I've heard it's okay, but here's the whole thing. What I think with Eddie is unfortunate. And I think it happens a lot in the business. Um, once you get the fucking Disney money, Disney tells you what to do. And I, I think he won't, ever go do stand-up again because do you think he's got it in him like do you think if you're in a room with him where there's no one watching and he's wants to be funny he can still do it or i have heard from a couple of people again reliable sources i think he still has it yeah but he, he doesn't want to turn off the disney money at the end of the day because so, he goes and does a, a he's got like 13 kids he's got to pay if, for if he mean. goes out and does a uh, mr fuck you man special yeah, yeah he's gonna lose disney money forever and but i have to fit i mean is, does he need it anymore i mean i, I guess you're i guess you grow to the size of your but it's like bowl. It, but yeah. it's like if you get an eight ball of cocaine every day do you need the eight ball of yeah. cocaine every day <laughs> or do you just really want it yeah i i just think he's become accustomed to a certain lifestyle that um Cutting off that Disney money is super scary. It's so weird because it just turned a corner and it just, you know, I mean, literally like everything he did was gold and just the best. I mean, I I remember Beverly Hills Cop and Golden Child and all those yeah. things were like just on repeat. And then all of a sudden it was yeah, that's, cheaper by the dozen or whatever the bullshit, you know. It's just that's like, the thing. Well, uh, Vampire in Brooklyn or whatever was the. the, the, the oh, my God. What are you now? doing? Yeah. yeah. But that's when people always, you know, most people will always ask like, oh, you're in comedy. Who's your favorite comedian? And that's such a hard question to answer because there's so many. <laughs> there's so many. It's yeah, a really hard yeah. question to answer. Yeah. But I always remind people like, let's stop and remember what Eddie Murphy was when he was 19 years old. Yeah. Like, let's all pause and give Eddie Murphy credit because nowadays people want to, I think a lot of people just want to breeze by Eddie Murphy and talk about Kevin Hart or Dave yeah. Chappelle or whatever. But dude, People forget when when Eddie Murphy, like when he was on SNL and when he did his first couple of specials, like when he did Delirious and when he did 48 Hours and yeah. Beverly Hills Cop, I don't think anybody's ever been better than he was when he was at his prime. Right. It's sad because I think he sold out for the Disney money and went and did, you know, Dr. Doolittle and fucking Vampire in Brooklyn and whatever. But I'm not going to judge because if I could get that fucking kind of money, I, I would. Shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming by. Thanks for having me, man. It's finally nice to sit down with you. I hope you uh, have a, a great weekend. Hopefully, when you, whenever you come back, you'll come on and we can... If anybody's out there listening, JT's Roadhouse tonight. JT's Roadhouse. It's going to be a fucking interesting I'm, deal. I'm excited to hear about how it goes. You'll have to give me a thumbs up or a thumb down afterwards. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to come back and do a recap on that <laughs> all right. if I survive. I, I might need to call you in the morning for bail money. I'm, 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 we'll I'm all about as long as I don't have vertigo and driving in a fucking ditch somewhere. You might love to Dina too. Right? I will. I will. Yeah. It's, it's, I wish it wasn't today that everything was going yeah. down, but I, I, you know, maybe, maybe if you're around for lunch or something this weekend, we can for sure catch up. Thank you so much. It was nice to meet you. you as well. So you want to, you want to say anything? Shout out to anybody and or no, no you're just great listening to this. And uh, I'm glad it's good for you having this guy on. Cause this guy is, I, not because you're my buddy, but this is a little Tampa treasure that people don't, a lot of people don't know about. No, I love it, and I and and I know that there's always some off chance of you coming back here, so I I, I I do hope that that happens at some point. I'll be back eventually. All right, guys, have a nice weekend. Happy Thanks, birthday. Josh.